What's up, guys? This is Mike. This is Dave, and you're listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 50 of the Mike and Dave Podcast. We've been teasing this one for a while, or at least like saying, oh, we're almost at this milestone. Well, milestone has been reached. So welcome, everybody. This is Mike. And this is Dave. And yeah, like Mike said, we finally made it episode 50. So yeah, look forward to that. We're doing our top five favorite logos, uh, sports logos, I should say, of all time. So that should be good. We'll be doing that second. But first, we have off the top, it's Dave's turn to bring the prompts. I'm going to kick it back to him to figure out what exactly I'm going to be talking about. For sure. So I am looking forward to this one. Uh, I'm going to present the prompt and then I'm going to give you some background information to help you so you don't have to like look it up necessarily and also so you can kind of process this information so the first thing i'm going to ask is for you to be objective in this take any personal feelings that you have about any of these players and put them aside and purely look at it from a basketball perspective in fact, a GM Jalen Brunson's about to be named. He may or may not be, <laughs> um, but anyways. So let's say, I mean, this is a fairly common exercise. Let's say that you were starting a new NBA franchise, and I'm going to give you three players to choose from. And I want to know which one you would decide to go with if you were starting your new franchise. Like, let's just say at the beginning of next season or like in this off season. Okay. We're, we're bringing so the, the three team back to Seattle, baby. Yeah, let's just say for, for, for the new team in Seattle, these are your three options. Zion, Jalen Brunson, or Damian Lillard. Now, let me give you a little background on this before you make any sudden reactions or statements. So Zion is 22 years old, extremely talented, one of the most talented young players in the league. However, as is well documented, he cannot stay healthy at all. He signed that major rookie extension with the Pelicans, so also that contract is pretty steep for a guy who is on the court that often. However, he's still 22, and when he's on the court, he's very productive. So that's Zion. Next is Jalen Brunson. He's 26. He just signed a contract that's like 20 million ish per year, and is you know entering the prime of his career has continually gotten better every year since he's been in the league and this season has taken to a new level with the Knicks um has been one of the better guards in the Eastern Conference and looks to be able to continue that success again entering the prime of his career he's not necessarily a superstar per se but he is a star seemingly getting better and on a contract that's not necessarily going to hamstring your your new franchise and then we have Damian Lillard he's 32 years old 
obviously one of the best point guards in the game today. Still, he has been for quite a few years. His contract is absurd. I think it's like over $40 million, uh, which is a very significant uh, amount and percentage of the salary cap that you would have to work with. Not to mention, you would theoretically be building your team around Damian Lillard, which hasn't really worked out to this point if you're looking for a championship or at least for like long-term success. So these are your three options. You're the general manager of the Seattle Supersonics reincarnated. Who do you choose and why? And remember, objectivity. You're you're not yourself. You're the GM of a of a franchise. So you're not a Michigan fan. You're also <laughs> you you know don't have your feelings necessarily about Lillard or about Zion either. Well, we're starting a new franchise, which means we need to have a player that's going to generate. While not necessarily immediate success, immediate revenue, a player that's going to get people excited to come to the games, and that's Zion. Like, it's a business decision at this point. Zion is box office. When Zion plays, he's, well, when Zion plays, he's better than Jalen Brunson. Uh, And he's got, he's 10 years younger than Damian Lillard. Uh, Lillard is the best player here. In three years, will he be? Probably not. And for me to take Lillard, I would have to know that I could assemble around him with other pieces available to me, I guess, that wouldn't be uh, protected from like an expansion or whatever. Uh, I would need to know that I could build around him a team that is better than has been built around him in the past in Portland, which would be tough. And all of that to say like I would still have to feel confident about winning as a new franchise in like three years while he's still Dame. Dame is probably at the bottom of the list because he's 32. But Zion is at the top of the list because he's box office, because when he's playing, he's elite. And as a new franchise, well, first of all, he's 22, so there isn't the same rush to win right away as there is with like Lillard. And because there's no rush... There's no extreme incentive for me to push him past a limit on a season-to-season basis. If I'm just like, y'all, Zion is going to play 40 games a season. Whatever. You know, get used to it. I'm going to make him the home games, though. Zion is not leaving Seattle. (laughs) No cross-country plane trips for this guy. My man is not falling off the runway. My man is just... Staying in Seattle, dunking the ball. We have Sean Kemp 2.0. I mean, we'll let's build around him. Let, let's not call him that after the recent news surrounding Sean Kemp and the drive-by shooting. But oh, bless it. <laughs> let's not call him the Sean it, Kemp 2.0. Is it is it too early to do the hot seat? <laughs> Sean Kemp, man. chill. I to be fair, as of that's all allegedly. I don't. I don't actually know for 100% it's a fact that he did that. I believe he was released from police custody, but he's still like a suspect in the investigation or something. So stay tuned. You know what? If 
If in the last three weeks you've touched a basketball and been in the same headline as a gun, you're in this early version of the hot seat. So Sean Kemp, John Morant, Brandon Miller, you can all catch the hot seat right now. We'll do another one later. I mean... There. It's been mentioned. We hear you. Yeah. You get a special... I mean, it's episode 50, so why not just go a little bit off the rails? You get two different hot seats for this episode, one at the beginning and one at the end. We treat you here on the Mike and Dave podcast. Absolutely. Uh, I I like that logic. Um, obviously, the, the big drawback with Zion is, does he become... Do you add him to the list of guys who had all the promise in the world, but injuries just held them down and ended up pushing them out of the league way too young. That is something that is a future that I can realistically see. I don't think it's unfair to say that that could happen. Um, But again, he's 22. When he plays, he's really, really good. And he does get the fans excited. So I think that is a sensible pick. But I do think that you can make the argument for any of them. Um, It just kind of depends on what you're looking for and what you, you know, what your perspective is. So, um, awesome. Well, thank you for answering that. Um, after this break, we're going to be getting into our top five sports logos of all time. So stick around for that. All right. And we are back and it is time to get into our top five sports logos, our top five favorites. There's not really a way to say one's the best, right? But we'll pick our favorites. And like we said before, it's nice to get back to a top five that, I mean, I enjoyed the top five all-time NBA by position. I think that was fun. But, you know, over those six different episodes, I think we were both a little like, you know, it's going to be good to get back to just something chill and random. So here we are. So I'm going to go first from five to one, and then Dave will go five to one. We'll compare. So without further ado, my top five favorite. Well, first of all, let me do my honorable mention first. Because I want to mention this. Um, From the NBA G League. Now, little piece of context here. A lot of the G League teams are shameless spinoffs of their NBA affiliate. Right? You got the Austin Spurs. uh, Like, just as an example, you got the Westmin... uh, Not Westminster, sorry. The Westchester Knicks. uh, The... um, Santa Cruz, San Cruz Warriors or something like that. Santa Cruz Warriors, I think. Um, so you got a bunch of those like in the same state, pick basically the same name. Um, the Stockton Kings. So my honorable mention is the Wisconsin Herd because I love how Milwaukee's logo is one buck and then the Wisconsin Herd just has three of them. It's just like, I- I'm just picturing the designer just like, you know what? We're doing three bucks. Kiss my ass. That's the end. <laughs> if we're the herd, so, let's just do what we did before and just like add more. Yeah, that's what our herd is, right? Uh, so that had to be my on- honorable mention because that one's just funny to me. But Oh my gosh, okay. I just looked it up. That is actually really funny. It literally <laughs> is the same logo, but with three bucks. of them. And it's the um, I respect the W in the middle for the Wisconsin. I I actually like that logo a lot. To be fair, um, anyways, I respect that honorable mention. 
see it was almost number five Mm -hmm. but number five i got a hockey one for you so we've got the anaheim ducks right Mm -hmm. but i'm not just doing the anaheim ducks i'm doing that team from when, when they were founded by disney and were the mighty ducks of anaheim and had the the hockey mask with the duck bill with the hockey sticks crossing in the background yeah that's my number five they were rolling that from 1993 to 2006 so there's my number five because that's funny uh and weirdly aggressive <laughs> love it it is hockey number so f- yeah, so it's kind of the theme. But right? you're also the Funny. ducks, so it's kind of like you have to try to make it a little more aggressive. Yeah. It's like being really uh what's the word I'm looking for? Like uh like at peace with yourself, like okay, we have a silly name. Now let's be like ironically aggressive about it. Yeah, for sure. It. At number 4, we've got the New York Liberty in the WNBA, specifically the logo that they rolled out in um 2020 um so they've always had uh the torch from the statue of liberty as part of their logo uh in 2020 they just made that a little more like shrunk uh to like center it uh with the ny but i put this for like what it represents you know you pick like a a symbol of new york but like given that your name is liberty and then you take the statue of liberty torch right there and then just like the color scheme the way the whole like logo fits together just artistically or aesthetically is really pleasing to me Mm -hmm. uh number three i've got the detroit red wings so another hockey uh logo for you uh and this one just is really well done and this has been their logo for like literally since they've been a team like i think they were formed in the 30s and then they rebranded their color scheme just a little bit uh in 1949 and they have not changed their logo since but it's detroit it's motor city so you've got the wheel in the middle and then you've got the wings like the red wings floating off of the wheel so the wheel motor city is what makes the team fly and that's super cool uh number two i've got the atlanta hawks and i did the hawks i put from 1995 to 2015 so this is before we went back to like the Pac-Man-esque logo in the circle. And when we had the the hawk itself with the outstretched wings uh, with the talons clutching the basketball. Now in like 2007, I think, they adjusted the colors from a little more red and black into like the red, white, and blue. But the logo itself was the same. And so I just included that. And for me, that is a little more like sentimental because that's what it was when I first got into forget basketball sports. And so like, that is the logo that I associate. Like when I think of sports, I think of that Hawk. Um, Objectively, I think the red wings logo is cooler, but I will always like that Hawks logo more. Are you ready for my number one? My number one favorite sports logo is the logo of the Mike and Dave podcast, baby from 2021 to the present. Yeah. You got the basketball base, with the football coming out of it, with the microphone centered and our names around it, the Mike and Dave podcast with Mike and Dave. Yeah, how do you beat that extra little note? Of co- of course, I'm going to say the Mike and Dave podcast. Shout out to my good friend Joey for creating that for us. He's not even a logo designer. He just did it because he's creative in that way. So shout out to Joey. Um, 
I respect that. Um, I like that because we don't have any of the same logos on our lists, which is why top five is fun and uh, very interesting to me. I The Red Wings one, I agree. I almost put the Ducks one, the Mighty Ducks one in there as well. Um, there's also, I'll just go ahead and say my honorable mentions too. The old San Jose Sharks logo is literally a shark snapping a hockey stick in half with its jaws. And I'm like, I respect that. That like symbolizes the sport of hockey to me. So I also liked that one in the Mighty Ducks, of course. Also, the Tampa Bay Lightning have a really slick logo as well that I like. Uh, it's just a lightning bolt, which I don't know. I just have always thought lightning bolts looked cool. <laughs> so, um, and you know, they have a lot of storms in Florida. So it made sense. Um, that makes me think I know one of yours, which almost made it to my list. <laughs> the Chargers? Yep. They're also an honorable mention. Um, ah, there we go. So I almost put that because it's very self-explanatory. You don't need any uh, anything else with it. I like the color scheme. I think the Chargers are one of those that, like, they just don't have the best fan base. But if if I was a Chargers fan, then I would have so much of their merch because I really vibe with their... I mean, I've always vibed with their jerseys. Um I, th- I want to say one of their jerseys was in my top five jerseys of all time. Um, the, like the one that LT wore. But anyways, so yeah, so that one. And then also our Hawks Pac-Man logo is my final honorable mention as well. I think it's just really clean. I like how it's... Um, and th- you'll see that this is a theme with my choices. Um, I like subtlety in logos. Um, I like creativity of being artistic and being able to to say something with a logo without it being overstated like the ducks or the mighty ducks and the shark one those ones are just in your face kind of like the red wings one too like they're just like in your face um which i also respect i just preferred like the subtlety like and the creativity that goes into it so um number five for me and I have two soccer ones in here. But number five for me is Arsenal uh, of the Premier League. Um, I love gold. I love the color gold. And so having the the gold cannon um, at the front really appeals to me. I like the way that it's just very aesthetically pleasing. Also, there's a lot of history with the cannon. Um, they had the cannons all the way back in like the 1870s or something when it was originally founded. And like with the name Arsenal, like it makes sense. It was, they ended up dropping a lot of like the war stuff, um, but they kept the cannon and their nickname is the Gunners. So they kept that as part of their identity. And I don't, I do not like any of the logos before the current one, which I believe they started using in like 2002, 2003. But I'm a really big fan of the current one. Um, It's not quite enough to make me an Arsenal fan, but I do respect it. Um, And so that one just barely made it into my number five slot. Number four is another soccer logo. um, And this one is PSG, AKA Paris Saint-Germain. 
And this one, I love the Eiffel Tower in red uh, in the middle of it. It's very subtle. It's kind of like, um, I don't know, like you were talking about the Liberty using the, the Statue of Liberty, like the flame, like the torch. This is, again, this is Paris. So what do you think of? You think of the Eiffel Tower, but they don't just have the Eiffel Tower as part of the logo. It's more, like you can tell that it that it's that, but you, it's not just like saying, I'm the Eiffel Tower. It's not like screaming that, if that makes sense. So it's just another part of, uh, you know, owning the city and everything and representing the city. There's also, I just like the fact that it's the circle and, and the font and everything that they have. I think it's really clean. Um, and honestly, like their, their jerseys and everything as well. And they've collabed with, um, with Jordan actually randomly. Um, and a lot of the stuff that they put out, I really like. So PSG because I'm at number four. Now at number three, I've got the Toronto Raptors. No, not that logo, the one with the huge dinosaur on it. Although I do respect that one, and that one has a cool story behind it. Uh, but the current Raptors logo with the basketball with the three claw marks um, on like going over the lines of the basketball, very subtle, but also tells you exactly everything that you need to know because that's very identifiable to like that's a dinosaur, that's a Velociraptor's claws. Um, on the basketball and the way that they do it I really like um, so that one comes in at number three number two kind of random but the Milwaukee Brewers so when you look at the Brewers logo at first glance it looks like a glove um, and it is a glove it's supposed to be like that with a baseball in the middle however if you look closer the fingers of the glove spell an M and then the thumb and the palm of the glove look like a B, a.k.a. standing for Milwaukee Brewers, while still being a glove and a baseball at the same time. Now that, if it wasn't for number one being so iconic, that would have been number one for me because of the way that they were able to seamlessly put that together. Um, very, very well done. I like the color scheme of them as well. I think they could do a lot better with their jerseys, but I like the color scheme of it too. So shout out to the Brewers for and whoever created that logo because I really respect that. But number one, and I, we really went in opposite directions with this one, Mike. You went number one like sentimentality. I'm going number one. It's one of the teams that I hate the most. It's the New York Yankees. But I cannot deny that their logo is arguably the most iconic in sports in like the entire world. It pretty much symbolizes New York globally. Everyone recognizes it. Even if people don't even know it's the Yankees logo, they're drawn to it. There's something about the N and the Y that are uh, overlaid that's just really aesthetically pleasing and catches the eye. Um, a coworker of mine, uh, she posted a, a picture wearing a Yankees hat. And I, I messaged her and I was like, what, are you a Yankees fan or something? Like, please tell me that you're not. And she said, oh, I had no idea. I just saw it on Amazon. I thought it looked cool. So I bought it. And I'm like, 
I can't really argue with that because it does look cool. <laughs> like I can't lie. Um, and it's one of those things has been around for a very, very long time. It's pretty much the only Yankees logo that there's been. And it, they will never change it. It's timeless. It's iconic. It screams New York. Um, it also s- kind of screams like the Yankees aesthetic and their history. Um, so it had to be number one for me. As much as I don't like the Yankees, it's it was a pretty clear number one for me. Yeah, I respect that. So I had to look at the Milwaukee Brewers one, especially like, well, I definitely didn't know the soccer ones either, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Milwaukee Brewer ones, that was really cool. Um, like what you were saying about the M and the B. But yeah, the Yankees, that's iconic. You know, I looked at the Lakers for a similar reason, like, you know, but absolutely like super recognizable, um, super slick, super clean. But yeah, I like this list. And like you said before you did your list, you know, the cool thing about getting back to top fives like these are that we literally had none in common. You know, when we did our top five by position, like you knew we were going to talk about at least a lot of the same players and often have the same number one or whatever. And so it's nice to get back to some variety there. So I'll go ahead and say my top five one more time from five to one, and then you can do the same. I'll post this on our social media. We'll ask you to... Uh, tell us what your favorite logos are. Um, but really quick, mine were the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim at number five, the New York Liberty at four, the Detroit Red Wings at three, the Atlanta Hawks old logo at two, and the Mike and Dave podcast at one. I love it. Uh, mine from five to one, Arsenal, PSG, the Milwaukee Brewers. Actually, I think I switched. Never mind. Arsenal at five, PSG, the Raptors at three, the Brewers at two, and the Yankees at one. So yeah, definitely share uh, or look at our social media in case you haven't been following along on your phone or whatever, and we'll post those. Um, And then also let us know what your favorite logos are at Mike and Dave Pod. But that wraps up our top five. When we come back, we're going to get into some of the big NFL free agency moves that have happened this week. And as promised, it's time to talk about some of the big moves that have been going on in the NFL, some trades, some free agency signings. But since we are an Atlanta-based podcast, and even outside of our fandom, you know, the fact that the Falcons have been super active is both weird and interesting. So we're going to talk about the Falcons first. And, you know, let's talk about the big one first. Keith Smith has been signed to a one-year extension worth $2.3 million. Bravo, Falcons. Okay, so obviously that's not the big one, hey, but I I respect it. You know we love our fullbacks on the Mike and Dave podcast, so. Yes. And, yes. and he is a good locker room presence, makes an impact on special teams, and occasionally when we do need to put a fullback on the field in a heavy set or whatever, he does the job. So I like that move. We see you, Keith. But let's talk about some bigger ones. So, no offense. So, Chris Lindstrom. Getting that five-year, $105 million extension. That's going to make him the highest paid guard in the NFL. Uh, It's also going to make him a Falcon through the 2028 season. 
Now, interesting stat. In his four-year career, he has been called for holding one time. <laughs> yes, sir. So he's being paid like the best guard in the NFL. He very well might be turning into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Falcons have needed protection for a lot. We've needed a lot of things for a long time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good offensive lineman that is certainly included in our, uh, in our shopping list that has been evolving or maybe devolving in the last 15 years. I'm happy with this signing. And, you know, especially for a rebuilding team, I think the best place to start building continuity is on that offensive line. Whoever you put in, give them that protection, give them that like peace of mind, like let them develop naturally instead of running for their lives all the time. For sure. And how often do we talk about the right situation for quarterbacks? Desmond Ritter, we'll see if he's going to be the long-term answer. We're going to give him a shot to be that. It looks like, um, let's say it doesn't happen and we end up drafting a quarterback in the 2024 draft. Well, we know that we're going to have Chris Lindstrom there to protect him and also to lead the way in terms of our run game as well. And we might as well go ahead and and talk about Caleb McGarry too, because that's only a three-year deal. Um, That one was just announced. Also, we're recording this on Tuesday. So, there could very well be some massive moves that happen in the next two to three days that we just may not mention because it hadn't happened when we recorded. So apologies for that. We're just talking about like the first couple days of uh, free agency. Um, but yeah, Caleb McGarry, three years, $34.5 million. Um, it's not too expensive which is good because Caleb McGarry has had one good year and like three not great ones um so I'm not mad at it he was pretty good at run blocking last season pass blocking not quite as much so I have mixed feelings about it what I do like though it's only three years and it's not exorbitantly expensive like we saw a couple of other right tackles get paid a ton of money, like Jawan Taylor getting paid $20 million a year by the Chiefs. That's a massive overpay in my opinion. So with Lindstrom, I'm not too mad at at the price. And we know we're keeping that continuity, Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry on the right side of the line, which is nice to see. I guess additionally, like we could talk about Taylor Heineke getting picked up on that two-year deal. I love that. Uh, First of all, Given that like Desmond Ritter will be the week one starter, we basically just locked up having one of the best, if not the best, backup quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, right? I mean, he's got to be the best, right? Now, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he's not the best, he's among them. Yeah, I. It's a tough one because I think there are backup quarterbacks out there who you could argue. Also, you can argue what a backup quarterback, like what their value is derived from um, in terms of Heineke's performance on the field. He has shown that he can play. And for whatever reason, I think a lot of times he doesn't get the respect that he deserves. He like, he's called like a fan favorite, you know, he's a gamer, you know, he, he puts a lot of effort in 
all that stuff. When I look at him play, I see a guy who can make throws, who can extend plays with his legs, who is that type of guy who his teammates rally around. And he has a winning record as a starter. And that's as the Washington commander starter. So that is also saying something. I mean, when they played with Carson Wentz versus when they played with Heineke, it was a world of difference. They almost made the playoffs because of the way that they played with Heineke at quarterback compared to Wentz. If they had just played Heineke the entire season, they might've actually made the playoffs. So I love this move as well. I mean, in two years, 20 million, like 10 million is a kind of a lot for a backup, but also when you have a rookie third rounder as your presumptive starter, you can afford that 100%. And it doesn't hurt that the dude's from Atlanta as well, you know, bring the home boy home. Uh, we actually, we I was going to say, we actually know people who went to his high school, console high school. So that's kind of cool as well. Yeah. And, you know, if, I mean, you had said this earlier, not on the podcast, but when we were talking before, if, uh, if Ritter is bad this year and we decide next year we're moving on, like what, like Taylor Heineke serves the same function next year with a different quarterback, you know, maybe we end up with uh, a Caleb Williams or something and, and Taylor Heineke can be the backup there. But whatever way you slice it, like that's a good move for the Falcons. Speaking of good moves for the Falcons, we got a good safety. Look at that. Jesse Bates the third from Cincinnati to a, on a four-year 64 million. Now, one thing I like about this is that the biggest year of that contract is this first year. He's getting paid 23 million in the first season. Uh, so after that, it turns into, I guess, a three-year 41 million. So uh, that's like un, that's like 13 and a half million dollars a year, give or take. Um, which it becomes much more team friendly. Um, I yeah, we're getting Jesse Bates, which is a top fifteen ish safety in the league. Um, maybe better. I'm I'm just really liking all these moves the Falcons are making, and it's refreshing after years and years of hating the moves the Falcons make. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would call him a top ten safety easily. He had. He has 14 career interceptions. He had a really good season last year in a contract year. And it's kind of nice. The Falcons for a long time were in salary cap hell. Thanks, Thomas Dimitrov. Um, (laughs) And finally, they have some room to operate. And one thing that you don't see a ton of is teams front-loading deals like this. A lot of the time, you'll see the back-loading deals where they, they get progressively... Uh, more expensive over time. But when you have a lot of cap space like the Falcons do right now, it makes sense for them to front load some deals and backload others. So that way they, they don't end up at a place where everybody's contract has risen substantially uh, three years from now or whatever. And then you're stuck with another situation like we had when we were extending all of those young players under Dimitrov. So I really like that. Jesse Bates, I mean... It's one of those things we need pass rushers and we'll get to that in a second as well. But we also need some, some help back there uh, in the defensive backfield too. And AJ Terrell had a down season last year, unfortunately. Um, 
our current safeties are fine, but like getting a guy like Jesse Bates, who's also versatile enough to play as the deep safety, um, or he can come down and make plays in the box as well. Um, that really helps in terms of scheme and the Falcons really value versatility. Uh, I think they value versatility in all of their players, but it's, you know, especially on the defense, being able to line guys up in different formations and different sets and confuse the offense as much as they can. Uh, so I really like this signing. I mean, it's, it's the biggest name that we got and I'm honestly kind of surprised he signed with us, but I'll take it. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about Jesse Bates and there are just a couple more guys that we'll mention and then we'll get into some of the other big moves that happened. Um, we signed two former Saints defensive players, which is funny, but also makes sense because we hired our defensive coordinator, uh, defensive coordinator away from the Saints. So they're just following their old coordinator back to Atlanta, um, which you don't see a, a lot of Saints to Falcons, but it makes sense when it's their former coach. Um, David Onyemata, defensive end slash defensive tackle, three years, 35 million, 24 and a half million guaranteed, which is a lot. Um, he's, he's all right. It's interesting because there are a lot of really good defensive tackles, uh, available and he's kind of in the middle of those. I think it might be a slight overpay, but what I do like is us getting more help for Grady Jarrett up front. Um, he has shown that he can make plays. Um, he's been largely healthy in his career from the interior, 23 career sacks. That's not terrible. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do, especially we already know like with Aaron Donald or guys like that, when you have someone like that, it just opens up, uh, one-on-one matchups in other areas when they're commanding double teams. So with Grady Jarrett, with Anyamata, it's going to be hard for teams to be able to just focus on Grady Jarrett now, which is really nice. Um, Resigning Lorenzo Carter was good. And then the other guy that we got, Caden Ellis from the Saints, who honestly I had not heard too much about. Um, He did have seven uh, seven sacks last season in his first year as a full-time defensive player, which you don't really see too, too often. Um, but he should add to our pass rush. And if that was his first season as a full-time defensive player and he got seven sacks, theoretically there's more to come from this guy, right? To swing back to offense for a minute, one other name to mention that the Falcons picked up in that in a trade. Uh, I think we traded, is it a seventh rounder? Mm-hmm. Sixth rounder? Seventh rounder. Seventh rounder. Okay, seventh rounder to the Patriots for tight end Jonu Smith to give Desmond Ritter another option. And, interestingly enough, reunite him with Arthur Smith since Arthur Smith was the tight ends coach in Tennessee back when Jonu Smith was uh, playing tight end there. Uh, So just adding another weapon to our offense there. Uh, Not as flashy as all these other moves that we've mentioned, Um, but... Worth noting, I think. Yeah, and really it's worth noting because he had by far his best season playing under Arthur Smith with Tennessee, which got him that big contract with the Patriots, which looks really bad now 
he should not have been paid that much money at all. But obviously Arthur Smith really likes him and what he can bring to the table. So who knows? Maybe we'll, we'll run some double tight end sets with Johnny Smith and Kyle Pitts. And um, I mean, I will say like Johnny Smith is a very fast tight end, which can cause some matchup problems um, with him and Kyle Pitts. I can see it being hard for a defense to be able to put the right guys on the field to cover both of those guys, um, as well as, you know, we have Drake London or whoever out there as well. So, yeah, I mean, why not? It's a seventh rounder. We have cap space. Like, why not make that that play? And I'm pretty sure this year is guaranteed and all the rest of the years of his contract are not guaranteed anymore. So if it doesn't work out, we can just cut him after next season. It's not a big deal. Which sounds harsh, but like, this is the NFL. It's a business. So it uh, sounds... Sounds so cutthroat. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, the Vikings cut Adam Thielen. So it's one of those things where like, you got to like, again, you got to do what you got to do. And it sucks, especially with a guy who is like a franchise icon. And all of a sudden you got to get under the salary cap by a certain date and He's got a big cap hit, and you're like, well, you weren't that productive last season. So, yeah, unfortunate, but that's the way that the NFL works. So, um, so those are all, if not all, almost all of the Falcons' moves so far. I have to say, as a Falcons fan, it's been very refreshing that we have had money to spend, that we have spent it, and for the most part, I think we've spent it pretty well. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily call us like the big winners yet out of free agency, but I think we're definitely in that column. So I'll take it. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it's very, yeah, refreshing to say the least. Look at the Falcons doing good things for a change. Instead of us just sitting here all off season, like, well, must be nice to be one of those other teams that's watching their team and being proud of them, you know? But um, other moves of note, this Jalen Ramsey to the Dolphins trade uh, for Hunter Long and a third and a third round pick. I mean, first of all, congratulations, Jalen Ramsey, escaping that um, what turned out to be a mess in Los Angeles this past season. Uh, five, twelve, and one, I think, was their record. He got his so, ring and got out of there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and now. He gets to go on the Dolphins where, and I saw a tweet like about this earlier, but the Dolphins now have two number ones at receiver in Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill and two number ones at corner in Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey. Not to mention, can uh, Tua stay on the field this season? Um, Dolphins are on the come up and it's looking scary. Yeah, they definitely are. Um, it's it's kind of interesting, Jalen Ramsey, like what they're what the Rams are doing. Um, I was gonna make a joke that you can't spell Ramsey without Rams, but it's just not that great of a joke. Um, anyways, so you're right, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill did cra- did crazy things together last season. And then you put Jalen Ramsey in the same corner room as Xavier Howard. 
all of a sudden, like, you're looking really nice. And that's not even talking about Javon Holland as well, who had a really good season last year, too, at safety. So, yeah, I mean, the Dolphins, they they lost in the first round of the playoffs. But I would be shocked if they did not make the playoffs again. And, of course, a lot depends on Tua's health and everything. But, yeah, I, I think they're definitely one of those, um, one of the teams that are on the come up. They signed, I mean, they also signed Mike White, which... I still don't really know if he's a good quarterback or not. Um, <laughs> it's it's always hard to know with the Jets, really. But that's not a bad option to turn to if Tua does suffer some more concussions or is injured. Um, so I, I don't mind that move either. So yes, the Dolphins making moves. Jane Ramsey getting out of LA. It's interesting stuff. Um, another one that I wanted to talk about Darren Waller going to the Giants. It's a very interesting move. Um, I think the Raiders might just be thinking like they just signed Jacoby Myers as well, arguably the top receiver in the market. Um, and they got Jimmy Garoppolo to play quarterback. So two former Patriots joining Josh McDaniels, not surprising. Um, and I guess they just, <laughs> Darren Waller struggled with injuries the past couple seasons. He hasn't been as productive so I think they just kind of wanted to cut bait on him and see what they could get. And, you know, I think this is a really good move for the Giants. I mean, yes, Darren Waller has struggled with injuries the past couple seasons, but when he's been healthy, he's a top five tight end in the league, no question. And getting another... Uh, receiving option for Daniel Jones. You just signed Daniel Jones to that big extension. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, he automatically, by almost by default, becomes the best pass-catching option for Daniel Jones on that team. So I'm hoping that Darren Waller comes back and is able to get back to his former form because I really like him as a player. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do in New York. Yeah, I feel for him, you know, having just married Kelsey Plum from the Las Vegas Aces and then he immediately gets traded out of Las Vegas. That's tough. That's <laughs> tough. What happens in Vegas gets traded out of Vegas, apparently. Yikes. But yeah, from a from the perspective of the Giants, you gotta love that move. Uh you sign Daniel Jones to that extension and then you immediately give him I mean the best piece that he's had. Uh, when healthy, yeah, um, put it, that's putting your money where your mouth is. You know, we're gonna pay you this extension, and then we're gonna make another move to further support you and facilitate your success moving forward. So, definitely love that move. Um, should we talk about the Bears? Probably, yeah. Okay, okay. We're trading the number one pick. We are not saving the drama for draft night. We're getting it done now. Bears trade the number one pick to the Carolina Panthers, and they got a a Bears haul for it. Uh, they get the, num- the number nine pick in this year's draft, so they go down eight spots. They pick up the number 61 pick just at the end of the second round. Then they get a first-round pick next year, a 2025 second-round pick. And, and you might be thinking, well, Mike, that, that's a lot. You know, that's a, 
you know, that's a nice, uh, nice haul for the number one pick. They also got DJ Moore. So this is, uh, DJ Moore has been on the Panthers for five years. In the last four years, he has led their team in receiving yards. The one year he didn't was his rookie year when he was second to Christian McCaffrey. To Christian McCaffrey. He has been their best receiver since getting drafted. And they just gave him up. So now the Panthers are almost assuredly going to take C.J. Stroud. That is like what all the buzz is uh, going on about. And he will be throwing to... Uh, yeah, exactly. He, I, I don't know. I mean, if the Panthers want to sign me, like... I may as well get snaps at receiver on in that room. Uh, at, I mean, if you're the if you're the Panthers, you know, you make a move, you get your guy, but holy cow, you gave up a lot to do it. Goodness gracious! If you're the Bears, I love this trade. Uh, first of all, the picks alone worth it. You win the deal. Uh, number nine number 61 another first and another second like yeah that's fine good good on you because there are gonna be good pieces at number nine uh especially like on the offensive and defensive lines there are plenty of edge rushers and tackles that you can get uh around that 10 spot uh, that are fairly comparable to one another so if you're the bears you're still gonna get a good piece there but you give justin fields uh the Panthers' best receiver, um, while simultaneously expelling all suspicion that they're going to draft a quarterback and move in another direction. Like, at every level, this is a win, other than they don't get Will Anderson. Like, that's the only thing I can think of to make this not a win. And the positives far and away outweigh the negatives for me on this one. Agree. I think you broke that down really well. Uh, one thing that I'll mention in addition to what you said, DJ Moore's contract is actually not that bad for a number one receiver. I think it's under 20 million for the next three seasons or something. So that's a really good value there. Um, and also DJ Moore put up all those numbers with who? Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, PJ Walker, like... <laughs> I mean, he hasn't really had any good quarterbacks throwing to him his entire career. And Justin Fields isn't necessarily an elite quarterback by any stretch of the imagination, but he's better than the rest of those guys. And I'm excited to see what DJ Moore can do um, with Justin Fields in that offense. I know that uh, you said that Justin Fields, like this guaranteed that they weren't going to be drafting a quarterback and everything. And honestly, I mentioned it earlier, quarterback situation, right? One of your favorite lines. Um, when Justin Fields got drafted to the Bears, they had an absolutely terrible situation for him. He was destined to fail. Now it's almost like they're going back and being like, wait, because remember, the Bears general manager is not the one who drafted Justin Fields. So he could have very easily gone and said, actually, you know what? We have the number one pick. I'm drafting Bryce Young or I'm drafting CJ Strouder. Hell, I'm drafting Anthony Richardson and I'm going to get my quarterback. 
Instead, he looked at the situation and said, Justin Fields has has barely had anyone to throw to, terrible offensive line, and yet he still came really close to setting the all-time record for rushing yards by a quarterback in a single season in NFL history. Not to mention he was showing some significant strides throwing the football as well. How about let's get this man some help? Some pass catchers, offensive line, and see what we can do um, with this guy who's obviously shown a lot of talent. That is how you support a young quarterback, and that's how you set your franchise up for success and yourself for for success. So shout out to Ryan Poles because he has done a great job supporting Justin Fields and playing his cards right. Like you get the number one pick, you better know what to do with it. And I think this trade and what he got for it is the best that he could have done. Absolutely. Uh, Fantastic job. Couldn't have done it any better, you know? Uh, knocked it out of the park. And what I will say for the pan- from the Panthers' point of view, everything that I just said about all those quarterbacks that they've had, I don't blame them for giving up all that they did in order to get to number one to draft whatever quarterback they feel like is the best one that will lead them into the next era of Panthers football, which it seems like it'll be C.J. Stroud. That's who I like the most out of this quarterback class as well. So I think that would if they do end up drafting him and maybe they try to sign a couple of receivers in free agency or something like I like that move. Um, especially I, I you know, I, I talk a lot about making, make sure you have the right situation and then get the quarterback. If you're drafting that high in the draft, chances are you don't have a good situation to come into. So I also understand that. And from the Panthers perspective, let's get our guy. Because the Panthers owner is also relatively new. He hasn't really had a good quarterback. I'm sure he's like, listen, give up whatever you need to. I'm tired of watching subpar quarterback play. Let's get our guy for the future and then work on building around him. Which I also respect. Honestly, I see this as a win for both sides. A little bit more from from the Bears perspective. But at the same time, they were starting out with the more valuable trade chip in hand. So it makes sense that they probably got more from the deal. But as long as the Panthers don't screw this pickup, um, I like it for both sides. Yes. To the Panthers going after their guy that they think can make a difference. Uh, being that he would be going to the NFC South against the Falcons. I hope that's not the case. Uh, you know, we always wish nothing but not success to our NFC South rivals. For a seamless transition, we have the Saints picking up Derek Carr. Uh, Dave, thoughts on that one? Um, I think the Saints don't understand that their time is over. Their window of opportunity to win the Super Bowl has gone and passed them by. All right? They do not have... At one point, they had a really good collection of veterans and young players. And they've been uh, tap dancing around the salary cap line for the past few seasons in order to keep all these guys together. Well, Drew Brees has been retired. Andy Dalton wasn't the answer. Jameis Winston, who I believe is also signing with the Saints, wasn't the answer. 
Alvin Kamara, who even knows what's going to happen with that? Your offensive linemen haven't been playing as well as they have been in recent times. Cameron Jordan's getting older. So what do they do? They go out and sign probably the best, unless you count Aaron Rodgers, um, the best quarterback on the market in Derek Carr, seemingly because they think they can still compete for the division, which I don't disagree with, but they are not winning a playoff game. (laughs) I'm just putting that out there now. I do not think that they're winning a playoff game, even if they win the division in the NFC South, which by the way, it's not looking like it should be that hard to do. Um, so I don't really understand it. Um, they, they must've said something to Derek Carr in order to get him to, to choose new Orleans. It's also sucks because I feel bad for Derek Carr in a lot of ways. I think that he's a good quarterback and a good, um, guy in the locker room and everything. And he gave everything that he had to the Raiders. Also the way that they treated him at the end, like we were talking about business, business decisions earlier. That's <laughs> that's a, a great example of the NFL being a business. Um, but I just don't want him to succeed now because he went to the Saints. And like, you made that decision for yourself, Derek. Um, not to mention, they're also bringing back Michael Thomas, which was it was looking like they were not going to do. Apparently, Derek Carr and Michael Thomas have been like whispering to each other and calling each other late at night and just saying... It's, it's like the Game of Zones, Anthony Davis and LeBron like uh, situation where it's just like, apparently these guys are becoming really good friends over the phone and they're really excited about playing together. I don't know if Derek Carr is aware, but Michael Thomas hasn't even played football in like three seasons. <laughs> so, um, so I don't really understand where he's getting that from. But I mean... I guess you have to give a little credit to the Saints because they're still trying to go for it. Uh, they're not trying to rebuild, which I respect to a certain degree, but like, you don't really think this is going to work, do you? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting for sure. Yeah, I was hoping Derek Carr would go to the Jets or something so that I could just like at least somewhat root for him because mm-hmm. I do like him as a guy. I think he's like not a bad quarterback at all. But now he's in this. Now he's on the Saints, and I'm just like, ah, well, now you're scum to me. I don't know what to tell you. Um, yeah, he he deserves better than uh than Michael Thomas. Whatever. Um, yeah, I love how you're like, um, you did this to yourself, you know, like, it, right after you say that, like, we won't root for him, like, Derek Carr, you had your option, you know, but. You did this to yourself. Now the Mike and Dave podcast isn't behind you anymore. The choices you make, you make your bed, now lie in it. I mean, exactly. It's just like your favorite sports logo of all time is our logo. Like, it's the same same thought process that's going on. But anyways, so I think, I mean, there are a ton of other moves that happened that are probably worth talking about to a certain degree. Um, Javon Hargrave going to the Niners, Stefan Gilmore getting traded to the Cowboys, um, um, among many others that happened. It's been crazy, but we don't have time to discuss them all. But I'll be very interested to see when all the dust settles and all the big moves have happened. Um, 
what ends up what the league ends up looking like, what the landscape of the league looks like. So NFL free agency is always a fun time. Really only rivaled by NBA free agency um, in my mind of like, who knows what's going to happen. There's so much stuff going on. So uh, I think that will wrap up our breakdown of NFL free agency so far. When we come back, we're going to get into part two of the hot seat and the fun fact. Well, earlier we did a sort of impromptu uh, hot seat, and now we have our main hot seat in its usual place. And we, uh, you mentioned Derek Carr earlier uh, as being probably the second best free agent quarterback this year. Uh, let's talk about the best in Aaron Rodgers. Uh, there's been talk. Of Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets. Well, my man Aaron has pre- has presented the Jets with a shopping list of free agents to acquire if they want to obtain his services. Highlighted by Odell Beckham Jr., who he's never played with. <laughs> I guess they're buddies. <laughs> and then a collection of three of his buddies that he has played with. He's got Alan Lazard, who I'm pretty sure the Jets are signing. Yeah, they are. Um, One down, three to go. <laughs> Randall Cobb and Mercedes <laughs> Lewis. And and first of all, well, hang on. I, there are a lot of first of alls with this story. I feel like Aaron Rodgers deserves like a, a friendship medal for like how hard he's always advocating for Randall <laughs> Cobb to get work. I don't understand it. Like, he was good a few years ago, but he hasn't done anything in, like, the last three or four years. And yet, Aaron Rodgers is like, I need Randall Cobb. Like, I cannot do this without him. Please. Like, I don't understand. And then, Mercedes Lewis, all right, cool. And then I love how he's like, okay, Odell Beckham Jr., I want to play with him for once. Also... I'm going to send him back to New York, but just like on the other New York team, just like really rub it in uh, the Giants faces. That one was like the, the rant, like the other ones. I'm like, all right, he wants to play with his, his friends or whatever. (laughs) And then also I want to play with Odell. (laughs) Like, can you also make that happen? I just, it, it just seems like, and sure. Aaron Rodgers is like one of the best quarterbacks to ever live. And everything, but is this just getting a little ridiculous now? Like, however, if you're the Jets, what's probably more ridiculous is how long it's been since you had a competent quarterback. So, honestly, I wouldn't even blame them if they were just like, "Yes, we'll sign anyone." I mean, how expensive can these guys be? It doesn't matter. Go ahead. Like, sorry to Corey Davis, you're about to get cut with your $10.5 million contract. I mean, trade him. Trade him for a trade him for a pick. And then, uh, boom, you have rosters. I mean, Randall Cobb cannot be commanding much money. Right? Surely not. That's got to that's gotta be like the 1.6 mil, you know. Mm-hmm. Mercedes Lewis is the same. I mean, yeah, that guy has got to be so old by now as well. Like... Yeah, I mean, his name has been around forever. And Odell Beckham hasn't done anything recently, like, 
recently enough to command an actual salary. Like he should be around vet minimum anyway. Okay. Oh yeah. Mercedes Lewis is 38. Oh my gosh. Just wants one last hurrah. But Hey, if the jets, what I really want to happen is for the jets to sign all four of these guys. And then for Aaron Rodgers to be like, all right, I'm going back to Green Bay. That would be. I just wanted to get my boys. <laughs> yeah. Just want to make sure that they're set. The fam eats. <laughs> this is like the total opposite situation with the other guys that we mentioned in the first part of the hot seat, where Aaron Rodgers is taking care of his guys. And then in, the other, in these other guys' cases, they're all bringing them down with them. We're like making inf- terribly influencing them. It's like be more like Aaron Rodgers. That's what I'm trying to say. I'd never <laughs> thought that I'd actually say that, but here we are. You said that it's been a long time since the Jets have had a a, a decent quarterback. Well, first of all, Joe Namath? Question mark. Uh, just want to sling that one in there. Two weeks ago, we had a fun fact. Uh, that I would call, at the very least, decent. Typically speaking, it's above decent. There you go. Uh, praises sung. And this week, episode 50, we've got another Dave's Fun Facts. So what is it this week? Well, thank you for that extended introduction. It's episode 50. Yeah, we gotta go big. This fun fact floored me when I read it, folks. So this one is sports-related, which is not always the case. This one is sports-related. So, I've actually been holding on to the onto this one since December, y'all. NFL officials informed the owners of the league's thirty-two franchises that teams have spent eight hundred million dollars on fired coaches and front office executives, front office executives over the past five years. So, in the past five years. NFL teams have spent $800 million on guys they are they just for them to not work for them anymore. Um can you say waste of money? Like I I just don't understand. I mean, if you're not I mean, like, sure, when they when they hire these guys at first, they probably are thinking like, oh, the, you know, Nathaniel Hackett is going to be is going to take the Broncos into the promised land or whatever. Um, but like, maybe they should just sign them to to shorter term contracts or something because like this is obviously not working. Apparently, it was delivered at the owners' meetings um, in December. And it was sent by the league as a reminder that, like, hey, as y'all are firing people, $800 million have been spent in the last five years on guys just so you don't have to have them playing or, like, working for you anymore. Like, maybe you should just be a little more patient with these guys. (laughs) Um, I just... I guess really what it comes down to is it pays to be a head coach in the NFL. <laughs> even if you're trash. Like, yeah, even if you're even if you're not good and you get fired, like 
You know what they need to do? Actually, I just came up with this. They need to treat coaches and general managers like they do players in the NFL and only guarantee a certain percentage of their contract. If you're if you're going to say like to the players, well, we don't it's football's a violent sport, you know, we don't feel comfortable guaranteeing you all this money because you could get injured or uh you could underperform or whatever. Why are we not doing the same thing for the coaches and for the general managers? If that's the stance that they want to take, like sure they're not on the field, but the underperformance is still there, and they're the ones in charge of making the decisions. So maybe maybe that's something that that they I mean, that would never happen. But I feel like that would kind of be fair, you know? That would be savage. I mean, it'd be it'd make it a lot harder to take those uh coaching jobs like the Houston Texans open up a new coaching job and no one takes like uh yeah, I'm gonna pass. Ain't nobody succeeding mm-hmm. there. So, I did some math. That's $25 million per team in those five years. So, like, obviously, you know, that's an average. So, it's going to, like, some will have probably just a few th- few million. Some will probably have, like, on the, the much upper end of that. And that's what I'd be really curious to see. Like, who's spending the most money in that five-year span to lead to that $800 million? Like, because someone needs to just like tighten up, you know. For sure, somebody needs to just chill for a second or learn how to hire better. What I would like to see, I mean, this is also not going to happen, and I'm also not serious about it, really. But what if you had like, what if you had to hire a coach for like eight years minimum? And you couldn't fire them. It's like, oh, this coach sucks. Well, you're stuck with him for seven more years. Oh, y'all just went two and 15. Hope you learned something in the summer. Too bad. Save some money. You're not firing him. All right. And with that, I think it's time to move into our last segment of the episode. And if you remember and were listening last episode, then you would have heard us kind of going back and forth and Mike saying a potentially controversial statement. And we just really enjoyed that. And so we're just going to make that into the final segment of each episode as we see fit. So without further ado, here's Drop the Mic. Potentially controversial statement incoming has nothing to do with anything we're talking about, but I don't care. Uh, we were just talking about coaches not being fired. I'll tell you who should have been fired. The dude that designed the Nike Air Up Tempo. Can we agree that this is the most hideous shoe that has ever been created? What the hell is this? And I was walking through the mall the other day, and I, I walked into a few different shoe stores that were somehow proud to have them on their display for like $180. Like, these are vomitous, and they're being put out by night, whatever. These shoes are terrible. This I don't care who agrees with me. This is the worst shoe of all time. Well, consider that Mike dropped and consider episode 50 to be drawn to a close. Thank you all very much for listening and supporting us. 50 episodes is definitely a lot. And we appreciate those of you who have been with us from episode one 
all the way to now, or if this is your first episode, then welcome. We're glad to have you here. As always, you can reach us on social media at Mike and Dave Pod and let us know was Mike's take that bad or do you agree are those shoes actually that horrible also you can subscribe to us on spotify apple podcasts or google podcasts wherever you get those we'd appreciate that so you don't miss the next episode episode 51 which should be a good one because we are going to be breaking down our top 25 nba players right now in the nba we did that before the season started And with the playoffs right around the corner, we thought it would be a good time to go ahead and revisit that. So no other segments uh, or anything in the next episode. It'll just be kind of a live breakdown where Mike and I talk about players and rank them uh, 1 to 25 and maybe put some honorable mentions in there as well. Let us know, A, your favorite logos. We talked about that earlier. Also, let us know uh, your thoughts on some of these big NFL moves that we talked about or any that we didn't talk about. Shoot. Like we, uh, like we said, you know, we're, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday. So by the time the podcast actually releases, there'll been two and a half more days of moves that could have been made. So let us know your thoughts on those as well. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Mike and Dave pod. We've also got March madness tipping off on Thursday. So the day before this podcast releases, um, so let us know who you're rooting for, uh, what your bracket looks like, um, what games you're looking forward to, all of that. All of these are ways to interact with us on social. But until that point, this has been Mike. This has been Dave, and you've been listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast.